Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. I was disappointed, very disappointed in the list as well. That was agreed to. I think that things were tried, attempts were made to, to add to that list, but the NBA um, agreed that, that that list was what was satisfactory. So hopefully maybe we can get some more names on that list or some more things to add, you know, or meet in the middle, but I was disappointed as well. That's the Celtics' Jalen Brown talking about, instead of having names on the jersey, there's a list the NBA has provided the players that they can pick from. He didn't like it. Mike Scott of the 76ers, same thing. Didn't give the players a chance to voice our opinions on it. They just gave us a list. So that was bad. That was terrible. I'm all about just doing instead of saying and posting or putting stuff on the back of your jersey. I don't think that's going to stop anything, you know? Yes, Jalen? I think we do know. Let's move on to the doing. Instead of the symbolism and the black squares and the names and all the stuff to call attention because attention has been fully called, PK. Oh, uh, yeah, that's well said. Attention has been fully called. I agree with you, and it will continue to be fully called, which isn't bad unto itself, but if that's the exclusivity of it, then it is bad. And yeah, I don't know that this is a big deal. I mean, obviously, it's easier for me to say. Middle-aged white dude. Uh, nobody's uh, giving me any violence or racial injustice or whatnot. I've made my mark. So uh, I can sit here on my throne and criticize all I want. But I do think that they can do stuff. And that, that's good to hear, though, that, uh, you know, now it's about doing as opposed to just calling attention to. Because doing ultimately will be the difference. And along those lines, Lakers center Dwight Howard has announced he will play in the NBA restart. He had been torn, bouncing back and forth, weighing his options. But he's going to play and donate his salary from the games in Orlando, which is about $700,000 to his charitable initiative, Breathe Again. Man, seven hundred grand. There are a lot of charities that would uh, just uh, tip over and faint at the thought of getting a $700,000 donation. So... That's significant. We'll see what his charity does with it, but uh, that's a that's a significant number right there. To get back to the previous quote, you you can do some doing with seven hundred grand, so that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, but if they faint, then you'd have to have some of that money that would be required for medical attention, and it would take away from the charity. Nonetheless, you'd still be ahead. But you're right. <laughs> there is risk in fainting, passing out there. Jazz are getting on a plane. Today, today is departure. We're leaving day. on a jet plane. Yes, for Orlando, which isn't quite how his indie song <laughs> don't goes. Don't know when they're going to be back again. They don't. Not really, know. they don't. They no. don't. A first round playoff exit. What time do you? Let's see. That'd be end of August, basically, right? And if you go out in the second round, you're into mid September. So on they go. Oh, Renee, oh Renee, I hate to go. Talk to Joe from the bubble on Thursday. He'll be in his room with his coffee machine. It's not practice or a game. He'll be in his room with the coffee machine. Then we'll talk to Joe on Thursday. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
for us as players. We still want to know, like, how's everything going to function and work? And, you know, don't get me wrong, everybody's working towards that and building, like, there's calls and everything. But I think that's more important than whether there's four preseason games, two preseason games, no preseason games. Like, all of that stuff will work its way out, work itself out. But, like, all that stuff matters if the first phase of us being back in training camp is going well. Patriots, Devin McCourty there, saying the preseason is a secondary issue. In my mind, it's always a secondary issue. And if that's if that's all they have to cut, then this is a great year. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not much of a sacrifice in my world. Say goodbye to the preseason games. But I guess I'm not a guy trying to make a roster who wants a chance to show what he can do. They are valuable to those guys. But for the Stars, doesn't matter. No, it don't. Patriots are offering free parking for home games during the 2020 season at Gillette Stadium. The exchange of cash to enter lots viewed as a potential safety hazard with the coronavirus sparked the decision to offer free parking. Club's going to use digital ticketing this year to limit contact also. It's the most you've ever paid to park anywhere for a game, a show, a concert. Any occasion. You think how much parking? Parking would actually be quite a little revenue stream there. A little bit of cash. You got to leave your car somewhere, and it costs. 60 bucks, USC. Oh, really? 60? I don't yeah. think I've... I don't think I've paid 60. I think I paid 40. And I think it was at the Rose Bowl, actually. So, L.A. parking. Who knew, right? Well, it was for work, and I got reimbursed, so I didn't really care. You know who's got money for parking? Patrick Mahomes. You. Oh, Signed through 2031 after agreeing to a 10-year contract extension. He's got two years left on his rookie deal and then 10 beyond that. So the extension could be worth as much as $503 million. There's an injury guarantee of $140 million. There are outs in the deals for Mahomes that certain guaranteed mechanisms aren't exercised during the deal. So this is the richest contract in American pro sports. Mike Trout had a $426 million 12-year deal, but... 503 over 12. I think if you had to bet on whether he's going to play out this deal or not, you would definitely bet no. There's too many outs in this. 12 years is a long time. There's too many variables. Well, it reminds me of Steve Young when he signed that 40 million USFL deal. Who knows how much he got? I don't know how much this young man's going to get. I know he's going to be rich beyond his dreams, probably. And he's a really good player. And I don't care what, I don't care about their money. Uh, they don't care about my money. I don't care about their money. I never begrudge anybody from getting their money. Whatever it is, it's their money, and I'm not going to tell them what to do with their money and what they should be doing contract-wise. The thing that I'm excited about is he's, what, 23, 24 years old? Yep. And he's a great talent. Yes, and he so is. so he's fun to watch, and that's all I really care about is he's fun to watch. I enjoy watching him play. That's all that really matters to me, the money stuff. More power to you. Whatever you get, so be it. You're going to have enough to spend and buy whatever you want either way. True story. And that is a pile of money for Kansas City, but I assume that they're out selling multi-year sponsorships and multi-year luxury suite deals and got their, I don't know, 50 luxury suites, whatever it is they have. I don't know exactly, but they're rolling out three, five, and seven-year contracts. They're rolling it out into the future and getting back. So it grinds on. Any little ratings drop the NFL has or anything, they just seem to bounce right back from it, and they're fine. The Raiders are trying to get Jadavian Clowney 
unknown if he'll lower his salary demands. He wants $17 million a year. The Raiders right now are sitting on about $7.9 million in cap space. Presumably, they could create a little more, but $17 million seems like a lot. So, See what Clowney does, but always good to have a defensive end. Something to beef up the old uh, the old D-line a little bit. you got to win the line of scrimmage, PK. Kyle Whittingham has told us that once. He's told us a million times. Oh, you got to win the game. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. The Oregonian's John Canzano reports the Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott has taken a 12% compensation cut from his $5.3 million salary. Canzano obtained an internal email sent out to conference staffers. The red in part, our CEO group approved our conference budget for the coming year, which includes a 9% overall decrease in expenses, along with salary reductions for employees making over $100,000 in annual salary. Cuts for all employees range from 5 to 10%. Larry Scott taking 12 PK. Team player leading the way. Well, I think it's more of a bad look you know, with the uh, money that he makes. The 5.2 million he received, like a 1.9 million dollar loan to build a home or to get a home. Anyway, I don't know if he built it, but uh, to buy a home in the you know, obviously San Francisco area, the Bay Area is very, very expensive. Everyone knows that, and we know about the rent that they pay. Gonzalo's been all over this, inside out, and. Uh, I don't know whether he has an axe to grind or not. I can't say that, but uh, he's certainly done a lot of work regarding that. And I read the column. I'm sure you did, too. And uh, just 12% when you're making 5.3 million. And somebody who's making uh, 100 grand is going to take a 5% pay cut. That 5 grand means a lot more to them than the the 12% you're taking. Uh, Just by way of comparison, the NBA commissioner led the way taking a 20% pay cut. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he should be taking more of a pay cut, actually. If if he did what the NBA commissioner did and took a pay cut, he'd still be making more more than $4 million. Yeah. And all the people who are in San Francisco, I mean, $100,000 sounds like a lot of money, but it doesn't go nearly as far in San Francisco as it goes in most cities in the United States. It's like you say, housing costs first. Uh, transportation, we we're just talking about what you pay for parking. You know, the transportation, you, do you want to ride mass transit right now if you have to go into the office? And I think the thing that grinds everybody is that they've blown so much money with having not just the conference headquarters in San Francisco, but the whole conference network. You know, there's, there's a lot of back-end stuff that just doesn't need to be in the most expensive real estate. It doesn't. If you need a few offices for show for the executives, because you're going to, you know, be next to Google or Amazon or whatever investment firm that you're going to cut a deal with, great. But they've been there. They haven't cut those deals. And people who will never be in those meetings are housed in the really expensive offices in San Francisco, and it just makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's the number one issue. I think the number one issue is that they haven't gotten the revenue that they anticipated yeah. getting. Because if they got the revenue that they were anticipating getting, you wouldn't care that how wouldn't spend be, it. N- no, it wouldn't be. Is that they were promised money, particularly on the Pac-12 network, which is just not even come close to delivering. Then you compound it with the finances. Then you compound it with the officiating errors and all these types of things that are going on, and it all adds up. Uh, ESPN is reporting a number of Power 5 conference officials have targeted the end of the month to determine if the college season can start on time. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, we said from the outset of this pandemic that circumstances around the virus 
would guide our decision-making if clear recent developments related to COVID-19 have not been trending in the right direction. And, you know, when we hear reports from Florida and Texas about cases up and people worried, PK, the number of uh, important leagues that have important schools in both of those states, oh, what, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are the two that aren't there. (laughs) The other three Power Five leagues are in those two states. I got to imagine when they say, when the SEC commissioner says the info is not trending in the right direction, that's what he's talking about. Well, it was always going to be July. I mean, that's not really news, is it? They weren't going to make a decision in June, were they? No, I don't think so. Don't make a decision until you have to. I just think he's hinting that they're leaning towards some type of delay, postponement. Who knows how they'll phrase it and structure it. Uh, More than we hoped or thought they would a month ago. Well, I guess I still, it depends on... Yeah. Go ahead. I still don't think it's over. I think any decision is possible at this point. But clearly, he's trying to get people to brace for a delay, I think. Well, a, a delay, that that's fine. I mean, the, no one wants a no season. A delayed season or reduced season, I think, is something that we can all live with. And it depends on what you're looking at. Are you looking, are you looking at cases or are you looking at deaths? Because if you look I, at deaths, yeah. maybe they're not trending in in the bad manner. Well, they those aren't. I, th- I I I wonder if they're looking at those numbers or if they're looking at hospitalizations. It would be interesting to get you know direct answers from them on that. We haven't heard that yet. Uh, Patriot League member Fordham has decided not to fly to Hawaii on September 12. They canceled that game. They actually canceled their first three games. But the Patriot League is playing at the Big Sky level and flying all the way to Hawaii seems expensive and. Probably not the trip to be taken right now. I don't know. Does Hawaii still have a quarantine? They're having one for a while. I don't know how they can get teams. It's supposed games. to end, I think, the first of August. Oh, okay. Is the last I heard. Yeah, they were having fourteen-day quarantines, which makes it hard to get in and out. From and the Patriot League has banned all air travel currently. Yeah. So Hawaii just doesn't doesn't fit into that. It's, no, that's a game to push off to. Can another we drive year. to Hawaii? No, you can't. You really can't. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. As a team, we feed off that, and even on the road, you feed off of it when you're getting booed and heckled and everybody in the stadium wants you to fail. It's, it's As a player, it gets you up for the game, and you use it to get through the season, and, and to not have that's going to be different, and I think once we are back to the point where we do have a packed house at Miller Park again, whenever that may be, you're going to appreciate it that much more. That's Kristen Yelich right there talking about the fans and how the players draw energy from the crowd. Major League Baseball has announced the full 60-game schedule. All the teams are going to play 40 games in their division and then 20 interleague games against their corresponding geographic division. So AL East, NL East, the opener is the champs, the Nationals and the Yankees, followed by the Giants and Dodgers. ESPN with a doubleheader to get things going. And we've been talking, PK, about changes you make in the short run and then changes you make permanently. And there certainly is a a love of tradition. I think tradition means more in baseball than it means in any of the other sports. You know, you you got more than a century of tradition and you want to hold on to it. And American League, National League is part of that. But, man, the economics of not starting games at 4 in the afternoon or 10 at night in the local markets, I wonder if we're going to see the end of the AL and NL and more games played regionally, geographically in the time zone so that everybody's got first pitch at 7 or 7.30 as much as possible. Maximize the audience instead of the, the Yankees out on the West Coast and the Dodgers and Giants on the East Coast. and. You know, I don't. I don't know if it means that much in the middle of the country. I don't. I wonder if franchises like the Cubs and the Cardinals are that into it. But I think for the teams on the coast, it's a big deal for their local TV packages. 
Absolutely right. And you think the Oakland A's are going to give up games, home games against the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees? That's the flip no side. No freaking way. Well, they'll start it at one in the morning <laughs> if they have to on those TV games back there. No, there's no way because anytime the Yankees, particularly in the National League, and the Yankees and the Red Sox when they come west, they're a sellout. Oh my gosh, it's automatic. Yeah, see, it's automatic. The last time the Yankees came to uh, the Diamondbacks ballpark, whatever it's called these days, my sister immediately bought tickets for every game, went to the first game, sold the next three, and made a whole lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) And that is why people who work in ticketing, and we know people who work in ticketing, use the variable pricing. Because the fact is, when you get those games, you also get... The Rays and the Jays and, uh, you know, whoever else, right? I mean, the the Yankees get the Dodgers, and that's probably a big deal. But I don't know if the Padres showing up at Yankee Stadiums. Oh, I think we do know. It's not going to drive the same. The Padres and the Rockies aren't going to drive things the way the Giants and the Dodgers do. So, all games are not created equal. No, unless they're better. They have to, you know, one of those particular years when they've hit and they're better. I understand your point. But when the Yankees come down to Petco... I have to imagine people down there. Yeah, they're excited about it. So I think there's a blend to be had somewhere in the middle of what you're saying, but not a complete either way. I think you're probably right about that. And it'll all, they follow the money. They'll they'll do the math on what they make of tickets in those games, and then they'll figure out what they can get for their local TV deals and uh, maximize the bucks. Uh, what is trending? It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, we're going to talk with uh, Jason Cole, longtime NFL reporter. Obviously, uh, Kansas City, that's a heck of a contract for Mahomes. We can talk to him about that and we'll, the next generation of quarterbacks and also just you know getting this season underway and some of the challenges the NFL is trying to deal with right now. We'll talk with Jason Cole. Coming up. Next, on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. I've said it for a long time. Chemistry in a locker room is overrated. These two have to coexist. They don't have to necessarily like it, but it's like you and Austin working together, Gordon. You may have to grit your teeth at times, but you're pulling for each other's mutual success. Oh, wait a minute. You have not characterized. Yeah, he doesn't want my success. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about that. I care deeply about Austin's happiness. Okay. I've always told you I liked Austin. (laughs) I don't care what Austin thinks. Austin's the least gifted producer I've ever had. Austin is I do not blame Austin for being a little worked up sometimes. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Little Charlie Daniels from Yacht there. Tribute. I love this tune. One of my favorite tunes. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, if you don't like the way I'm living, you just leave this long-haired country boy alone. Charlie passed away yesterday at 83. Tip of the cap, Charlie Daniels. Been a fan for a long time. Everybody knows the devil went down to Georgia, but there's a whole lot more than that. Got plenty I can play today, I can tell you that much. <laughs> 83, he was making music for a long time. There he was. Jason Cole, longtime NFL reporter, is going to join us in just a minute. Greg Hansen, sports columnist at the Arizona Daily Star, is going to be here at 9 o'clock. And we'll talk with him with John about John Canzano's uh, report that the Pac-12 commissioner is taking a pay cut. And PK, you got a question up on Facebook today. We can get to this when we have uh, you know, more time. But uh, just the, uh, the headlines for the people in their cars right now getting into work and... Should they buy out the commissioner? Should they move on? Is this just not going to work? Do they need someone in who's got a different plan to generate revenue? I don't think there's any way you can hold the Pac-12 commissioner responsible for keeping the Pac-12 level with the SEC and the Big Ten. They've got more people. They're going to make more money. But... You can hold the Pac-12 commissioner responsible for hitting some of the goals they lay out and closing that gap so it isn't quite so massive. If you remember a couple weeks ago, there were projections of where they're going to be, the Power Five conferences are going to be financially in income in about five years. And the Pac-12 is projected in front of the ACC, behind the Big 12, but relatively close. But the Big 10 and the SEC disappearing over the horizon from the Pac-12 and, and from the other two leagues, too. Really pulling away. And part of that's population, but can you get a better plan? Uh, yeah, I don't think they're maximizing the potential revenues. I think that's the key, is that they're leaving money out on the table, and they were made uh, basically promises, and those promises haven't happened. And then there's a lot of stuff that's a bad look that's that's rolled into it. You know, he likes to say he's not just a commissioner, he's a president of the media empire, well, that's been a flop. There's just no other way to say it. That's been a flop. I, I, I and it pains me to say it. I got, I got two systems in my home, <laughs> so I can get the stupid Pac-12 network. Uh, and 18 million homes is a, that's the uh, distribution. Not well, enough. That's a drop. In, that's a drop in the bucket, man. Yeah, that's not. That's not enough. And it's been a major disappointment. And there's, there's no way around it. It's a major disappointment. And, and the thing is, as you get deeper into this, the people who signed off on it originally and who backed him, as they kind of move on, the new people want to, you know, wager their careers on him. So that's a question we can get to in a little while. Right now, we're going to talk National Football League. Jason Cole, longtime NFL reporter, joining us now at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Jason, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Well, there are multiple things going on. People love to talk about other people's money, so I guess we can start there. Patrick Mahomes has thrilled us all. He's won Kansas City, that elusive Super Bowl that they had been chasing since the merger. So it's no surprise he got a long-term deal and a big money deal. But when you saw the years and you saw the half billion dollars, did your jaw drop? No, because as soon as I – I mean, years made me go, wow. They must have really gone all in. But if you're the history of the Kansas City Chiefs and their quarterback history, certainly not illustrious, you sort of understand like why they would do this. 
I think once I saw the years, which I was surprised by, I actually said, uh, and I tweeted out, if you're buying out what is ostensibly the rest of his career, it's probably going to cost you $500 million, and I said $200 million guaranteed. What it is is a max, I think, of $503 million mm-hmm. with rolling guarantees that are in the area of you know $477 million. I don't know what exactly that means, but real guarantee of about $180 million. So I, I, you know, this was the number that I thought it would be if you were going to do that kind of an aggressive contract. Now he gets 180 in the first four years of the deal, basically. Um, but, you know, there are some people who are going to say, look, he could have waited it out and made more, say six or $700 million, and sold himself out a little bit short. But when you've got $180 million, you know, you're talking about generational wealth sitting in front of you, you've got to take that, you know, in a, in a sport where you can get injured, you're coming off of a dislocated kneecap, you got to take that deal. He's such a young player, if you look at his age, and yet he's wildly talented. As you project down the line, how much better can he be? Well, it's a funny thing. Like, if you go back and you look at the 50 touchdown pass season, right? Like, is he ever going to do that again? The odds are overwhelmingly no, right? Because it's only been done three times in the history of the league, right? It's sort of like looking at Dan Marino when he came into his second year in 1984 he threw his 48 touchdown passes. And he never achieved that again. But is he a great player? <laughs> yeah. And would you take him as one of your top one or two or three or four quarterbacks on the build around? Yes. Has, they, has, has Mahomes already won a Super Bowl and surpassed Marino in that respect? Yes, absolutely he has. And so for those reasons, I, I don't care you know, what the numbers look like. I think he's going to only get to be better and better, especially while he's playing in an Andy Reid system and coached by Andy Reid. Jason Gole, longtime NFL reporter, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So do you think with the, with the Ravens and the Chiefs, the NFL is going to be able to recreate what they had with Brady and Manning and what they had with uh, the, the Colts and the Patriots? Is that where we're going here with two young quarterbacks uh, with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson? Or is that, is that too much to hope for and too much to predict? Uh, too much to hope for, too much to predict. And while... I really love what Lamar Jackson did last year. I think it's harder to replicate that over the long term than it is to replicate what Mahomes did. So I think it's harder for a guy to, to run that effectively at that level for that long because uh, people don't get faster. They don't get quicker in this sport. They get hit and they get get older. And look, I think Lamar Jackson did some amazing things last year in making himself a proficient passer, and by proficient, I mean proficient enough that he had to be respected as a thrower. But if you look at the game against Tennessee, where they basically said, "Look, we'll let you throw. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna basically 
play soft against you. If you can pick us apart, great. But we're not going to let you run and get to the outside and take advantage of the edges. If he doesn't learn to beat that kind of defense on a regular basis, he's there's only so far that Lamar Jackson can go, and he will not be in the class of a Brady or a Manning. Mahomes already is that kind of thrower. Whether he's a runner or not, I think that Mahomes is clearly going to progress to be a pocket passer later in his career and an awfully good one. Contracts tend to be escalating across the league, meaning that you know player A gets this, then when player B is due for his contract uh, the next year or whenever they reference since as a, to to a degree a starting point the prior player's contract. What does this contract mean for quarterbacks in the league? I don't know if this one's going to be replicated because I don't know that anybody is on Mahomes' path right now. I mean, you know, look, Dak Prescott is a really good player, um, but he's really good. He's not transformational. He's not a guy you say, this is the face of the league. This is the guy that everybody's going to be watching. So I don't see him being paid. Is Deshaun Watson close? Yeah. But even Deshaun Watson is not in the same league as a thrower with all the weapons, you know, like it's just not the same. So I don't know that anybody is, I don't know that any other team out there is going to say, okay, we're committing 10 years. And on top of that, willing to pay the kind of guaranteed money that goes with a 10 year lifetime, essentially lifetime contract. Right. So I don't think you're going to see teams do it. And I think you're going to see that agents are not going to say, okay, we're going to give away a 10-year deal just so we can get close to this number because at a certain point you're selling, your, you know, you're, you're selling out your player a little bit too low just to, just to say that you've got a 10-year deal that may be worth $400 million. I, just, I don't see that this is going to get replicated. This is a special player, special circumstances with a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl in 50 years, and on top of that, really hasn't had a, a, a franchise quarterback of any type for that entire time. I mean, the closest you get is probably Trent Green. as That's the, probably the best quarterback over the last 50 years for the Kansas City Chiefs. Longtime NFL reporter Jason Cole joining us. I think a lot of people who root for other teams, especially other AFC teams, AFC West teams, that are going to have to uh, compete with Mahomes and Kansas City, are, uh, are thinking, okay, that's great, they got him, but that's a lot of money. How are they going to put a team around him? How are they going to pay all these other people? Do you think that this deal will be renegotiated? Do you think NFL revenues are going to grow enough that he's not going to be eating up a massive portion of the cap? Or do you think that they are going to have to draft great and have guys on rookie contracts? Because they are going to be up against the cap. Well, look, I think they're going to be tighter again. I mean, look, you can't pay a guy this kind of money and have Kelsey and Hill and some of the other guys and not sit there and say, okay, you got some issues to deal with, Chris Jones and, and the like, right? So you do have to replace guys. They've already started that process, like with Tyreek Hill. They went out and got Nicole Hartman. They've got Hilaire, um, the kid from uh, from LSU, the running back. You know, they drafted him to get some, some more speed. They're trying to work on a deal with Jones. Yeah, they've done some things here that put them tight against the cap. But, you know, before we get into the whole COVID issue, the projection was that the cap was going to go up upwards of $40 million from this year to next year, from from 
2020 to 2021, that it was going to go from two, basically 200 million to upwards of 240 million. Um, it may not get that high as a result, but it's going to continue to go up um, because the television contracts force it. Now, there's going to be some blips here because you're not probably not going to have people in stands this year. But once that gets fixed, over the next 10 years with this contract, with the TV contracts, with new media coming online and becoming, becoming more dominant, you know, the Netflixes of the world, Amazon, Prime, everything else that you're, you're seeing, I, I don't think there's any question that the cap is probably going to get close to, you know, somewhere around 350 to $400 million. And by that time, even a $50 million quarterback still allows you to have a bunch of other really great players. Because the one thing that's built into this whole system that people don't really understand is the rookie contracts are still inordinately low. So there's a whole lot of money out there to be spent. Right now against the cap, most teams have 10 to $15 million of cap money. Now, it gets eaten up. There's, there's no question about it. But nobody's sitting here saying, I can't make a move because of the cap. They can all make moves and do what they need to do. Who's your favorite rookie quarterback? My favorite rookie quarterback? In terms of who do you think has the best chance to succeed based off this last draft? Oh, let's uh, review them for me for a second. My my brain was not even there. Um, <laughs> Who are my candidates again? Well, you got Herbert. Uh, you know, he's a, a Pac-12 guy, and obviously we're a Pac-12 city, so people are interested to see. Uh, I, like, I, like Her- I like Herbert a lot. Um, Tua, I like, I like, I like Tua an awful lot as well. Um, <sighs> Does Joe Burrow have enough in Cincinnati around him to be the guy, or was he in LSU it's, it's and the team was loaded? With, yeah, the problem with Burrow in Cincinnati is one, it's a terrible organization, so. I, you know, now he's exuded some leverage on them to say, okay, we're going to keep some people, we're going to do some things, we're, you know, and he he he's already tried that. It just doesn't last that long. Once you sign the contract and you're there and they're their property, they can pretty much do whatever they do. And Mike Brown will always fall back on path of least resistance. He's not going to go out of his way to sign players and do the kinds of things that you need to do. I mean, I think there's a very good chance you're back to the days where, you know, like when David Shula was the head coach, um, you know, Bruce Coslett was the head coach there. I think Burroughs Burrow's in a lot of trouble um, just because of the culture of that team. Now, I will say that, you know, Tua, I like the way that the organization is going. I just the question is, how long is that body going to hold up? Now, are you helping now? Now, okay. Herbert. The, the things I'm hearing from scouts are as long as they allow him to transition into learning pro-style offense and get away from the offense that he played in college, which he wasn't really suited for. But obviously he was a hometown kid, so he wanted to make that work. Um, as long as San Diego gives him time, they think he's got a chance. They think he's, he's tough. Yeah, he's not an outward leader like some people would expect at that position. But... Um, that, you know, a lot of people like all the other intangibles, the work ethic, the dedication, and they think he's going to make it, and that he was just really poorly suited in the offense in which he was playing with at Oregon. So I think he's probably got the best overall chance. I would go to him next. And Burrow, I think he's a great player. I just think when you're buried 
when you're buried with the Bengals, you're in a lot of trouble. The other first-rounder is Jordan Love, who went to Utah State, so we followed him, and he certainly struggled after the coaching change and nine new starters on offense, new offensive coordinator and everything. So his last college year wasn't as good as as the previous year. Uh But everyone, I think, was blown away that the Packers in the first round prioritized him. It's a bad bad fit for the kid. Um, There's a lot of pressure that goes with him being a quarterback there. He's he's not particularly well suited to play in the offense that he's trying to play in. I don't think the weapons are all that good around him, and I think that the coach there is going to force him on the field probably before he's ready. Because really, this is a Lafleur pick. There's no question about it. Um, yeah, they can say whatever they want to that this was the general manager making the decision, but that's not what happened in this situation. LaFleur is the one who forced this. Because LaFleur, he's like, he got to where McCarthy is in a hurry, which, you know, McCarthy got tired of dealing with Aaron Rodgers because he's a hard guy to deal with. But he's also super talented. And LaFleur doesn't want to make peace. He wants to have the upper hand in that relationship. And it's just not going to work. The coach always loses to the quarterback. And so I think that this, you know, I think that Jordan was going to get caught in the crossfire between these guys. And again, I don't know that he's particularly suited to play in that offense, certainly not right away. So I worry about that one a lot. I'm always fascinated when people who are on the inside, like yourself, say about uh, one team's culture and organization is a mess, as you just referenced with Cincinnati. And then you Mm -hmm. just, before that, you had said, well, as long as Andy Reid's there in KC, and obviously that's a compliment towards Andy Reid and what he's done. Uh How is one organization well run and another organization isn't when the organization that isn't, all they got to do is find out what the organization that is doing it well and how they do it well and just copy it. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's one problem with it. There are human beings involved. So, look, Different people have different styles of how they run teams, right? Some guys are hands-off, some guys are hands-on, some guys are hands-off, and they hire. They know how to hire really good football people, right? Like the, the Steelers historically hire good GMs and good coaches, and they keep those people in place for a long period of time. That's the perfect structure. That makes you as competitive as you can be over the long haul, which is why they've won as many championships as they have, right? So that, you know, and Green Bay, you know, relatively consistently over the last 20 years has gotten it right because they have a structure in place and, you know, they have the ultimate hands-off owner culture because they don't have an owner, right? Um, Whereas you go with Dallas, they have a hands-on owner who wants all the credit and he wants to essentially be the the football coach. I mean, I, I remember having a conversation with Jerry Jones where he said, yeah, when he was coming out of Arkansas, I really thought about wanting to get into football coaching. And then looked and realized how much football coaches made for a living and said, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I got to go make more money. And plus it's hard he did, but I still think he wants to be a football coach. And then you have my guy like Mike Brown, who is the son of Paul Brown and wants to believe that he can create a legacy 
that is as great, as great and overwhelming as his father. His father is Paul Brown would be on the Mount Rushmore of of the NFL, right? Mike Brown is, you know, just a was a smart guy who didn't really grow up being a football coach and dedicate his life to being this. He went to, you know, went off again, smart guy went off, went to Harvard, became a lawyer, but he didn't really learn what locker rooms were like or having to call games or all those other things. He just thought, well, I'm the son of Paul Brown. Therefore, I can do some of the same things. And you see it with Mark Davis, you know, being the son of Al Davis. You know, there's a human factor to this. And so when you say just go do what other teams do, a lot easier said than done. All right, Jason, last but not least, all this football talk is great, but is there actually going to be a season? Is it going to be delayed, shortened, postponed, canceled, 16 I, games on time? What do you think? Well, I, I finished my degree in epidemiology last night. <laughs> so um, from that area of expertise, I would tell you I have no idea. Um, I'm hopeful that you know we can have sports, period, whether it's baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever it is. Um, I hope they can have football. Um, but obviously the, the numbers around the country in terms of number of cases and all those things are look, you know, really questionable. And the number of athletes have already gotten COVID and, and haven't even been in practice yet. Uh, it's a little scary, right? So I think there are some, you know, really major concerns. And that's just the players. You know, I'm talking about the coaches who are going to be concerned about their own personal health. And football is the, the ultimate contact sport. So I don't think you're going to see preseason. I think that, you know, they've already reduced from four to two. I think you're going to see zero really soon because they're just it's not going to be worth it to play. And I think they're going to keep their fingers crossed that they're going to have, you know, be able to keep enough people healthy that they can run games off in September. And I'm just going to knock on wood and say, I hope that it happens. I have some real doubts, and I have much larger doubts about college football, especially based on you know Harvard yesterday saying that they're they're only going to do classes online. Uh, that's a really bad sign for what's going to happen to colleges. Jason, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on the air and joining us again. We appreciate it. All right, guys, no problem. Anytime. Jason Cole, he's a longtime NFL reporter. There, are his takes on multiple topics. We'll get to your reaction to some of those coming up. DJ and PK, we got Greg Hansen, sports columnist of the Arizona Daily Star on the future of the Pac-12 commissioner and the future of football in Arizona, at least the short-term future. And we'll talk with him coming up at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. He's the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, Tom Wistersill. The next four weeks might be the most important four weeks in college sports history. You know, we saw the huge hit that happened for every conference and every school when we had to cancel the NCAA basketball tournament. And that's a huge hit for all basketball playing schools, which is every school. Now you head into football, which, you know, for over half of the football program in all of Division One is the primary revenue driver. And anything 
thing that affects that has a dramatic effect on the entire enterprise of college sports. You know, if people want to watch college football this fall, we really have to take this seriously. We've got to find a way to slow down and to stop the trend. Or, uh, you know, a month from now, we could really, really be in a heap of trouble. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my hands. See anything good last night, PK? Anything catch your eye after you had the Sunday Night Eagles concert? No, totally stunned him. Join the big show at the warehouse Friday, 2 to 7 at 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! I was on a Zoom call last night with uh, college friends, and the whole question turned to the NFL season. Are we going to be able to watch NFL football? And everybody was weighing in. The whole purpose of watching NFL football was to make sure your fantasy football had multiple guys. And we got an NFL football house, so we're going to have fantasy football. I don't know. <laughs> well, you play with last year's stats, and it's not as much fun. No, it wouldn't be fun at all, would it? No, it wouldn't. They, uh, my brother got me to join, uh, rejoin a baseball league I was in in the 90s, and he's in it. And actually, there's still like three or four owners who are college friends of his who are in it, who I kind of know from that. And they've been sending out, um, it's basically, I don't even know how they do it. You know, what would the guy's stats have been this year? And they're sending out games. And I'm talking to my brother, are you following this? You're looking at it? No. (laughs) It's no fun. Start off. Give us 60 games. So, no, it it wouldn't be any fun. I wouldn't think so, no. I've divorced myself from that. Uh, a while back, to uh, was taken away from my pleasure of enjoying games. I was too worried about my own guys and all that stuff, and I found that it was detracting from my uh, enjoyment of the actual competitions. So, but for the, I, I mean, I get it for those who are involved in that. Yeah, I think that uh, the whole thing's a bummer, and I don't think there's any substitute that would work sufficiently. Maybe it would be. I don't know. I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. I'm with you. I think uh, they'll they'll either play or they won't, and that will decide whether it's fun or right. not. I think the thing we have to look at is what Kristen Yelich said uh, when we played and what's trending as as far as the fans. And you know he's in Milwaukee now, and Milwaukee's you know they've got a pretty good team, and and they're in a win now mode, and which is always good if you're a fan of a particular team. And you know I've been in that stadium. Uh, when Yelich was playing, when Yelich was hitting a home run, and, and it's just an electric place, and so I think what he was what, what he's saying really made sense that when there is a return to normalcy, that you're going to appreciate it even more yep. because it's been taken away from you. And I think what, with this whole with these whole things that we got going on with the sports, I think we have to take long range outlooks 
Now, you know, it's easy for me to say I'm not going to take the uh, immediate financial hit in the short term, but if we have to have that, we have to go maybe big picture. And so, you know, if you don't have the fantasy sports for a season, whatever it might be, in multiple seasons, because if you can, a lot of people do multiple leagues and all because they find it very fun for them. I don't particularly find it fun. It was taken away from my enjoyment, but I get other folks that would take it as fun that if you can look long term and you can see a, a temporary interruption and then it will get back to where uh, you can enjoy it again whether that be 60 games now or you know 162 starting next april whatever it might be that you sort of uh, step back a little bit and maybe put it in perspective and appreciate it more when it comes around and i think we're going to see that across the board in a lot of different things you know the old rainbow at the end of the uh, storm and all that stuff if you can find ways to look at that maybe it'd be better off you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and I think there's a lot of things we will run back and embrace. I wonder what things we will cast aside for the long run. You know, what what is the permanent change and what is the, the temporary change, and you can't, return, can't wait to return to the way it was, right? Walking into a full stadium and hearing the roar of a crowd, I think that's something people will clearly embrace again. And I think as much as music online has been... Uh, has been fun and it's been different and the Eagles concerts and you're going to, you're going to embrace a concert right out. I mean, isn't, isn't the concert business going to go berserk when it goes back? I mean, there just, there'll be so many bands waiting to go on tour and, and we always see them here because we come into the arena and, you know, there's trucks parked out on the street. And so we know, you know, as they come and as they go and we see that no matter how many concerts you go to, we see almost everything coming through town uh, just because we got to walk past it. And so I think it'll be even busier than normal. But I do wonder if people are going to embrace the movie theater again in the same way. Is that collective experience going to be there or are people streaming? And that's that to me of all of them. That's the one that's most likely to see a change. Really? Yeah. I don't know if people will embrace the, the theater in the same way. So I think they'll embrace it even more because really? it's along my theory of stuff that's been taken away. Let's go to the movies. That- yeah, because go to the movies. Go, go. The key word is go. Mm-hmm. Go see a movie. It, it's an adrenaline thing. You're going to get in the car, and you're going to go see a movie. And whether you know it's with your spouse or your kid or whoever it might be, everybody, there's something special about it. You're going someplace. You, when I walk into Jordan Commons Theaters, and I like to walk in the main gate, the main entrance, I should say, because as I go up, over to my right, they've got those walnuts that smell cinnamon whatever it is and 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 i and it's part of my experience man i walk in as soon as you walk in the main entrance you start seeing all the preview posters that are up and you you look to your left you look to your right you know there's people there oh what's coming down the line that might be interested you don't get that even though in the and when you rent a movie or buy one they have previews i just don't think it's the same i think going to it go the word go means that you get in the car, you go. It's an it's like when I go to a concert, I must be in my seat. I don't have to be sitting, but I have to be there when the band comes on the stage. I literally have to be there to see them. When they shut the lights off, you just feel the surge. Yep. And you have yeah. to be there as they're walking up and to come on stage. You see the flashlights and you know they're going to just to see them for the first time. I've seen Jimmy Buffett probably 20 times. But every time, it's like a fresh experience that when he walks onto the stage. I would, I would miss the second song, but there's no way I'm missing the beginning. 
So that's how I feel about going to games and concerts and all that. And, but my wife knows this with the movies. I am so cranky if we miss the previews. <laughs> I am just so, yes, I want to be in my seat for the first preview. I, I do. And it doesn't matter if they show 10 of them and if I don't even see eight of them. I still want to see the previews. It's like, you are so miserable. You are so cranky. Could this be fun? Stop being so cranky. You know, because if we're late on the way there or something. <laughs> it's character flaw. Among uh, many. One of many dozens, and we'll list them all next. Uh, we do have to get to the question. It's up on our Facebook page. We had Jason Cole, so we didn't get to it at 7.30. We normally do. The question of the morning, what should the Pac-12 do uh, with the commissioner? Should they, should they buy him out? Should they go to the end of the contract? Should they, should they re-up him? Uh, it's a big decision for the league and all the member schools. We will get to that coming up. DG and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.